Welcome to 2022, first Sunday of 2022. You know, uh, turned out to be a snowy one, and so the, the roads have kept some people away. But man, look at you guys. You went out of your way today to come and start your year off with God. You know, there's something that you could do, but we're here for God. And I think, you know, 2022, I, I love New Year's because there's such a... a um, I guess you could say like uh, there's electricity in the air because people are like they're expectant of new things. They're they're setting new goals. You know, okay, what what do you want for me this year, God? And you know, I when I on Friday when we were taking some time to pray, you know, the first thing that popped into my heart is, have you even said thank you for the year that you just finished? Yeah. It may not have been the year that you thought you wanted, but you're still moving. You're still breathing, and God still saw you through, and so I think we should start that way this morning. Father, we just thank you for the year that we've come through. We thank you for your provision that we saw in our lives, that you came through for us when we thought we couldn't move on any further. We thank you that there was breath in our lungs. We thank you that obviously we ate because we made it here. We thank you, Father, for the roofs that were over our head. We thank you for the relationships that were able to grow in this last year, and Father, we just thank you. We know that every good and perfect gift comes down from you who there's no shadow of turning and so we just take a moment and we say thank you thank you thank you Jesus amen and amen and so as you enter into 2022 man that's hard to wrap your mind around right 2022 already you know, I, I saw a, a, a thing on the internet the other day that's saying that 1979 is the same to 1999 as right now 2002 is to 2022. And when we say things like, oh, that was 20 years ago when we're thinking about like the 80s, no, that's like 40 years ago now, you know? So it's like, man, time just keeps a trucking. We just keep a growing. And 2022 can be a good year for you. You know, you notice I didn't say it's going to be a good year for you. I said it can be a good year. Because something we find when we hit these times of year, when people are making their plans, you hear people say things like, oh, new year, new you. Well, actually, no, it's new year, same you, but you can choose to change in this year. Yeah. You know, if you choose to drag all your garbage from the last year into this year, you'll have the same thing you had last year. And so we expect God to do new things in our lives without ever expecting change or progress in our own. And so 2022 can be a great year for you to grow. Yeah. It can be a great year for you to heal. It can be a great year for you to have vision. It can be a great year for you to lay hold of the promises that God has spoken in your life. Things that he's whispered into your spirit. Where you're like, man, I just have this desire. Feed that vision. Remind yourself of what, how good he is and everything that he's done. But we often fall into... Cycles of listening to what other people is saying for them. You know, I've been hearing some, some popular phrases people are saying like, oh, I'm going to see breakthrough in 22. Sure, it sounds like a time, but are you willing to allow your life to be broken up so that you can take hold of the pieces that he has rather than the pieces you've had? And so, yeah, breakthrough can be in 22 for you. But are you willing to break your mindsets? 
Are you willing to change your thought processes? Are you willing to seek own of God? Are you willing to put yourself before his presence? Because I love what Jesus said. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. And so if the same things that had our focus in 2021 have our focus in 2022, we will repeat the same process. And for some that might and for some that might not be good. And so we boldly follow the throne, especially at the first of the year, and just say, Holy Spirit, what is for me this year? Because we can have fancy phrases like breakthrough in 22, but what is God saying to you? What is God asking you to open your heart to? God is asking your focus to be in 2022. And so this morning I start off on a new series, and I want to take a look at the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. And just a little context before we get into the story of where, we, where they've been up until the point we're about to hit. We've had the plagues where they've come out of Egypt. They'd spent lots of years in slavery. You know, and we all know the story of Exodus, right? You know, where God sent the plagues to convince Pharaoh that he needed to let them go, but also to remind the people of how big their God was. Those weren't just for the Egyptians, they were also for the Israelites to be able to look like, oh my goodness, we serve a big God, we've forgotten his power to deliver. And so the, they've come through out of Egypt with the, the ten plagues, and they've come to the Red Sea crossing, where the Egyptians are at their back and the sea's at their front. And there gets a little bit of a turmoil going on. They're like, what are we going to do? Why, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? And he says, stand still. And God says, go forward. And that's why it's important to have God's word and not what sounds right. Because for Moses it was, you know, stand still, God will figure it out. And God's saying, no, I need you to move. Stretch out your rod, Moses. And so he does that and they cross through the Red Sea on dry land and they find themselves in the middle of a desert. Which you think, you know, if God's leading you somewhere, you think the last place it would be would be the desert. But that's where they found themselves. And they begin to get hungry. Not a lot of food grows in the desert, right? It's not like it's got great, great soil for crops. There's not like the local 7-Eleven that you can go down to and grab some food if you need. No, they're in the middle of a desert. And so they cry out to God. It says, bread from heaven. He lets manna rain down from heaven. Such a great miracle. He feeds them for years upon years upon years with this supernatural food from heaven. And they're in the middle of the desert. What do you know? There's a lot of water in the desert. And so they're saying, we're thirsty. And God tells Moses, strike the rock. And water comes out of the rock. And they're able to drink. And so they've had these great miracles. And they've come through. And now they find themselves at the mountain of God. And God says, I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to speak with you. And one of the, this is one of the awesomest stories in the, in the book of Exodus that usually gets glossed over. God's presence comes down upon the mountain. And his presence is so great that the mountain... Them. Talk about a dramatic sign, right? So this is this is where they begin to see the very presence of God rest on the mountain as he says, guys, I want to meet with you. And so up until this point, though, Israel has been in a constant state of pressure. They were under the pressure of slavery. 
Then they were under the pressure of the waters at one side and the armies on the other. They were under the pressure of hunger. They were under the pressure of thirst. And so now we're finding them for their first time where the pressure has been taken off and they're standing free before the presence of God. And so that's where I want to pick up the story today. If you're following in your Bibles, you can go to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus 24, and we'll pick it up in verse 9, where it says, Then Moses went up, he went up the mountain, also Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. They go up the mountain to meet with God. And it says, And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet as were paved works of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. So I, I love that picture because as the mountain began to melt away, what was left? It was left with the precious stones that were contained within the mountain. And God had his feet sitting on the very sapphire stones that were inside the mountain. Man, it's amazing that what happens when you break a little bit of rock away, the beauty that gets left behind... Think about that in the context of our lives. If we let God break away some of the dirt and some of the crud and some of the stuff that doesn't need to be there, we get left with the good things that he's planted into our lives that only get revealed when it's in the presence of God. There are things that only come out of you when you've been in the presence of God. There are things that you discover about yourself when you've taken time to yield yourself before the throne and let his presence do a work in you you can never do on your own. And so the, children, the, the leaders will come up before God and he's seated on the throne and it's melted away to the sapphire stones that are there. And it says, but on, on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. It's interesting because that means that God was, God was being physical touching. Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, the priests. God was resting upon them and touching them in a very physical way. You know, the presence of God can surround you that you would swear that it was just God's touching you saying, it's okay. It's going to be fine. I'm here with you. I got you. You will come through this. Man, God is a very personal God. Yeah. God is not distant. He's not out of touch. Isn't that the accusation that Elijah made about the prophets of Baal and their God? So maybe your God's off on a trip. Why was he saying that? Because his God wasn't. His God is a very present help in time of need. And in 2022, your God is an ever-present help in your time of need. In whatever situation you find, He is there. He is fully there in His presence. He doesn't kind of come and go in and out of our lives. You know what comes and goes in our lives? Our recognition of God. Our acknowledgement of His presence. Man, but He doesn't move. He doesn't leave. Right now, he is as with you as he was on your strongest moment ever with him. Right. You know, there was a story that uh, uh, my, one of my mentors had told us about a prayer time that she was having. They, that, that the prayer ministry that they had at this ministry, they had called all the leaders in, and God was wanting to set some new direction for them. And as they, they set their face to pray before God, and she was up at the, at the pulpit just praying, and everybody else had their eyes closed and praying, and she just felt, you know, how when someone walks by you, you kind of feel the movement of air as they go by. And she, and she thought, oh, someone's come up to stand with me while I pray. And she opened up her eyes, and there was nobody there. 
And she's, okay, must be seeing things. And so we went back to praying, and then she felt the, the rush of wind of someone walk by her again. And she's like, is there an air conditioning that just kicked on or something? What's going on? And again, she didn't see anything and went back to pray. And then the next time she opened up her eyes, and there was Jesus standing before her. Jesus was standing there before her and began to give her instructions of the direction they wanted the prayer ministry to go. And as, uh, as, the, as they began to, to continue praying, Jesus was just kind of walking around and looking and then walked back out the back door. And she said within herself, she's like, oh, Jesus is gone. And as soon as she had said that, he came back in through the door and he stood in front of her and he said, as I am with you right now, I'm with you always. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we feel things more dramatic than other times, yeah. but that does not mean God is not present. Yeah. He's right here with you right now. Yeah. And then the Lord said to Moses, come up. To, to me on the mountain and be there and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. And so Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God. And the, he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you and if any man has any difficulty, let him go to them. And then Moses went up into the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. Verse 16 says, Now the glory of the Lord rests on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sun, the glory of the Lord, was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of of the children of Israel. So here, two verses back to back, we're talking about the glory of the Lord. And what is the glory of the Lord? The glory of the Lord is essentially His manifest presence here on this earth. When your eyes are open to see what's going on in the spirit realm, we begin to see that wherever God goes, his presence goes with them. And for here, for the children of Israel at this time, they were seeing it first as a cloud that rested upon the mountain. And then in the next verse, it was as though it was consuming fire on top of the mountain. Now, the children of Israel were no stranger to the presence of God. As they were coming out of Egypt, he went before them as a pillar of cloud by day. Think about that. Why would they need a pillar of cloud by day? It's hot in the desert. The sun burns pretty bright. What do you need? You need a little bit of shade. And so the presence of God became the provision of what they needed in that season. And so it says, by day he went as a pillar of cloud, but at night he was as a pillar of fire. Why do you need a pillar of fire? In the desert it gets really cold at night. So what did he become? He became the provision of what they needed in that season. They needed a little heat at night. They needed to get a little warmed up. What did it also serve? It served as protection. Predators come out at night. And what happens when you start a fire up? It can have a distance. They don't like to approach the light. They like to work in the darkness. Think about that. The bad things grow in the dark. 
But when we let the fire and the light of God into our lives, it keeps all that at bay. And so the glory of God is essentially His manifest presence here on this earth. The word that they use here in the Hebrew is the word kabod, which means glory and honor and abundance and riches and splendor and dignity. So why would abundance and riches be needed in the definition of what glory is? Because where God goes, everything He is good. And He's a God of abundance. There's no lack and no shortage in God. He is a God of provision. And it says that He has all of your needs according to His riches and glory. In His presence is what you need. Come on. Think about this. If you're with God and God's with you, what you're in need of is already present. And we often approach God with a lack mentality of that we, we need something from Him. No, you don't. You've already got Him. Keep on living, keep on believing, and He supplies as you need. And as you just say, God, I know you got me. I know you've taken care of me. I know that there will be nothing that is lacking and nothing that is missing in my life because you're present in my life. We don't have to long after riches and abundance. We already have a God who is all those things. And why do we have to talk like this? Because people get their priorities out of focus and they seek after money. You don't have to seek after money. God's provision goes with you. Christianity is not about you getting rich. It's about you understanding the richest person who could ever live is already with you. And don't worry, you're his kid, not his servant. You are sons and daughters of Almighty God. And God takes care of His kids. To be like, oh, I need money, I need money, I need money. Oh, God, I'm believing for $500 billion. People get stupid when it comes to money. God is abundance. God is provision. We need to take the pressure off of ourselves to trying to be something or to have something and realize the reality of what we already have, and that is God. You don't need anything else. And what you need for where he's calling you, where God guides, he provides. Just be obedient and be open. And if he's drawing you in a direction, realize he'll support the habit. We don't have to worry about all this crazy prosperity that's gotten so out of control in the way people focus on God. God is not about money. God is about everything. More than money. He's abundance. He is riches. He is is honor. He is splendor. He is dignity. There's times where you need things other than money, where you need the comfort of Almighty God. There are times where you just need to understand that I'm here with you, that His presence is more important than any dollar bill in your bank account. But abundance and riches flow with God. The very root of kabod is the word kabod, which means to be heavy or to be weighty. And why is that the definition? Because when you used to honor or glory to a king, you would weigh them down with your tribute. And the word kabod here is, is, when it talks of Abraham, it uses the word, it says he was very rich or he was very weighed down in silver and in gold. 
But it also brings a picture of when the presence of God begins to rest upon you. It can sometimes feel pretty heavy. As we're just worshiping God, it's like, my goodness, I feel like I've just gained 50 pounds. You know, I'm getting weighed down. There's been times where, I, where I've finished preaching and I've, and I've had to sit down because I'm like, man, I just feel like the presence of God has rested down upon me. It's become so heavy. It's become so weighty. When God begins to weigh down on you in peace, I'd rather be weighed down with his peace and his presence than weighed down with my worries and my anxieties. And so back to Exodus 24, 17, it says, the sight of the glory of the Lord was a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. I mean, this is something that they were physically seeing. They saw the cloud rest upon it. They saw the consuming fire. And as we look with spiritual eyes, we begin to see the presence of God at work in our lives. Now, I remember Brother Hagin used to be, when he'd be preaching, he'd be like, oh, the glory of God has just come in the back. I, I can't see the back row anymore. And then as he continued preaching, he's like, I can only see about halfway up now. And as he began to see in the Spirit, he said that it's just like the presence of God just rolled through the place. Yeah. And I love one story as he, as he recognized that the glory of God had rolled into the place. He said the entire stadium where they were preaching just went silent. And nobody said anything for over an hour and a half. Everybody just sat in the presence of God and their hearts were ministered to. People began just getting healed all over the place with no one laying hands on them, no one asking for it. Just the presence of God was the supply of whatever it was they needed. And there was no childcare. There was kids there. They weren't, they weren't caught screaming out. The presence of God just silenced everybody in peace. And at the end of the meeting, they all just got up. They walked out and you could hear a pin drop in the parking lot just because everyone was in such awe and reverence of the presence of God. And that's a dramatic experience, but that presence goes with you every day. That presence is here with you right now. And so the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. And so Moses went into the midst of the cloud, and he went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So just a little over a month, Moses is up there talking with God, getting instructions that he's supposed to bring back to the children of Israel. And so Moses is on the mountain having a great time. Let's look at what everybody else is doing. Chapter 32, verse 1. It says, now when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down, I didn't realize there was a time schedule. I didn't realize that there was only so long that Moses could be with God. And this just shows that when the pressure is off, we're pretty quick to forget things. They just had some dramatic experiences with God, and 40 days later, we find this. The people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that, we shall, that shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of Egypt and out of the land, I like what they say, we don't owe it to him. He just disappeared. He was gone. And so when the pressure of Exodus was off, it only took them 40 days to turn to other gods. And we shouldn't be like, oh, those Israelites. We do the same thing. When the pressure is on, two things happen. Some run from God, some run to God. 
I always say run to God. But what happens when the pressure's off? God come through on your behalf. What happens next? Why am I preaching this message? Because in the last year, 2021, I've, I've seen a, heard a lot of feedback from people saying, oh, I'm so glad this year is over. You know, man, it just it couldn't got, got, have gotten any worse if it tried. And we, we've had a lot of things that have been shifting in society over the last year that already begun in 2020. People have been under pressure. And I believe 2022 is the year where we're going to emerge from some of that. And what happens next? What happens once that pressure is now off? Does your heart want to stay with God? Or do you begin to ease off? Because we forget real quick. We get stuck in the pressure, no pressure cycle. We run to God when it's difficult, but when it's not difficult, we back off, begin to stay. And you realize that every time you withdraw from God, you begin going backwards. Withdraw is never a good thing. But the writer of Hebrews said, we're not like those who draw back under perdition. And then he goes on to talk about faith and those who believe. But many of us get stuck in the pressure, no pressure cycle. As soon as the pressure is off, we begin to turn back to other things. When the pressure is off, off, that's the time to grow uninhibited. Yeah. Come on, it's a lot easier to run a race when you don't have a weight around your ankle, right? Yeah. And when those other, those weights and those hindrances have been removed because of the presence of God, that's a time to run towards the promise. Yeah. I like something that Denzel Washington said. He, he was t speaking to a group of students and he said, ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. And it's so true, when the pressure is off, it reveals our true heart of what we want. It's easy to seek God in deliverance. What do you do when you don't? Does your heart still long for him? The reality is, as the psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous and the Lord delivers them out of them all and he will. When the pressure's on, he'll come through on your behalf when you seek him. But what's next? We don't want to go from pressure to no pressure. We want to run from pressure to promise. I love something that Paul talked to the Corinthians about in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He's talking about him coming to them and his plans for the future. And he says in chapter 1, verse 17, he says, Therefore, when I was placed, did I do it lightly? I like that. Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? Meaning, do I go by how I feel in that moment? He says that with me there should be a yes, yes, and a no, no. And what's Paul talking about? There's times where we're going to be like, yes, God, I want you, and I want all that you have. And then when the pressure's off, no, no, I'm good where I am. But he says in the next verse, he says, but as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. He said, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us and by me and by Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. There's a heart that cry that will rise up and say, yes, I want your promises. I want all that you've got. And though the pressure's off, this is not time to sit back. This is the time to run. This is the time to go headlong into the things that God has been speaking to you. For the next verse, he says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us.
When we say yes, and he says, so be it, that's what amen means, so be it, it allows the glory of God to be manifest through us. And that, as Jessica was saying at the end of the song, that you have the presence of God around you, and people, as you're going about your day, they begin to recognize it. They begin to react to it. I remember listening to one of my instructors. He had... uh, he had just spent some time just praying God and seeking his face. And he's like, oh, I was at such peace. And then I got a text that came out and said, wife said, go pick up milk before you come home. So he went to the grocery store. And as he was walking through, he walked by this lady. And she just went, into the thing. And he, he grabbed her. And he's like, and I walked by you. It just felt like I took a stiff drink. And I felt like just the peace of God hit me. He's like, are you a Christian? And she's like, no, but who else would it be? And so he led her to Jesus right there. But as he would just took the presence of God with him, it began to impact those he came in contact with. And as we say yes to his promises, and he says, so be it, the glory of the Lord is to be manifested through us. His very presence that is not just for your presence, it's for your day-to-day life. And the next verse says, now he who establishes with us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has sealed us and has given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Not that this is something that might happen. He says, he's put the spirit in your heart as a guarantee. So how do we keep moving when the pressure is off? You stir your hunger. You're going to hear me say that word a lot this year because that's the word that God laid on my heart for this church this year is hunger. Christopher was saying it as we start. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll be filled. Where is your hunger level at? Spiritual hunger is something that the more you're away from, it doesn't get stronger. No, spiritual hunger gets greater the more you're in it. The more you're with God, the more you want of God. The more you experience his things, the more you want to experience. And so you stir up your hunger and you remind yourself of the promise. And so Moses comes down the mountain. He's just had 40 great days with God. He's got the tablets. He's got the instructions they give them. And as he comes out of the cloud, what does he see? They've made a golden castle while he's gone. And Moses is ticked off. He takes the very thing that God had just provided and he smashes them down. And he begins to rebuke the people. And they're like, oh no, we messed up. We did not do this right. And he begins to correct the people, and God is not happy either. And in, the, in chapter 33, verse 1, after Moses gets them all straightened out, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people for whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to your descendants, I with it. He said, I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the, uh, out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And he says, go up into a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Man, God had some strong words for them. But what did he do for Moses? He stirred up the vision. He didn't say, didn't say, stay here, your puny God. 
No, he said, go up from here because there's a land that I've promised you. Go up into the land for milk and honey. It would have been really easy in that moment to lose the vision of what came next. But God stirred up the vision and stirred up the hunger. Remember where you're going. And when the pressure is off, that's time to double down and remind of where you're going. That this, Yeah, the pressure may be off, but I'm not staying here. I'm growing. I'm going. I'm going to receive what God has promised me. And it says, when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. For no one put on their ornaments. The people, when they heard this, they were like, oh, no. That wasn't a time to go, oh, no. Time to say, oh, yeah, we still get to go. And it was time to stir up. And so what did Moses do to correct what was going on with the people? Before this, Moses went to the mountain to meet with God. And so here's what he did. In verse 7 of that chapter, it says, Now Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And it, he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting that was outside the camp. Why is this relevant? Do you know what Moses did? When he was on the mountain, the people couldn't see him. The people only saw the cloud. They didn't see the presence of God. But he put it where everyone could see the presence of God. And everyone could have access. And so rather than God being distant on the mountain, he brought God to the camp. And it says that whenever they needed something, they would go out of the camp and they would go into the tabernacle of meeting. They would stand in the gate of their, the, the entrance of their tent and they would see Moses go out and they would see the presence of God come down upon him. Why did Moses put it there? He wanted the people to be able to see God had not left them. God was not distance. God is present in your camp. It says, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but I love this next part, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he didn't depart from the tabernacle. He stayed there in the presence of God. He didn't want to leave. He's like, I'd rather just sleep here with you, God. My, my tent's back there, but your tent's better. I'd rather be in your presence. And it's no wonder that Joshua was the one chosen to lead after Moses. Because his heart was a heart that was after God. And so God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In his presence is rest and peace. You can have a drive and a goal and a promise that you're pursuing, but in the presence of God, there is rest while you do it. And so Moses says back to God, he says, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. I think this is awesome because this is something that should be in our hearts. Don't move without the presence of God. Stay until he says move. When he moves, move with him. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will do, also do the thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses responds to him, Lord, please show me your glory. And God responds differently than what you would think. He said, I'll make my goodness 
pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion in whom I have compassion. And so when Moses said, Lord, your glory, show me your presence once again, God says, my presence is also found in my goodness. And so what we've been reading here in Exodus interesting parallel from where we were a few weeks ago. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Saying as we fellowship in His presence and His glory, we are transformed from glory to glory. But do you know what story they're talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? The one we just finished reading with Moses. Moses meeting in the glory of God. And here's what the message translation says about it. Whenever though they turn to the face of God as Moses did, God removes the veil and they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence. He's not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. All of us. Nothing us in God. Our faces shining with the brightest face, and we are transfigured, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And so just like Moses would go in before the presence of God, and it says that he came out and he began to glow like a light bulb, so much so that they said, Moses, you've got to put a veil on that. You know, you're freaking the people out. When you're in the presence of God, you're transformed from glory to glory. And so in 2022, I say, stir your hunger for the presence of God. Stir your hunger for the things that he's promised. Stir up the hunger and say, God, I thank you that we came through 2021, but I am not content to stay where I am. I want more. I want more of you. I want, I want to understand you more. I want to understand your presence. I, I want to be faithfulness of your will and that you had for me. I know that you saw me even when I was in my mother's womb. You had plans and purposes for me to walk in in this year 2022. Draw me closer, Father. Draw me deeper into the things that you have for me. I thank you for the gift and the talents that you've given to me. I thank you, Father, this year they will grow and increase and I'll have a greater understanding of what it is that you've called me to. Well, Father, right now I pray for each and every one of us that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power, not because we are something, but because you've done something. And so, Father, I thank you that we are strengthened with all might and power by your Spirit in our inner man that Christ, you dwell in our heart by faith, that we are rooted and grounded in love, being able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know your love, O oh Christ, which passes our standing, that we are filled with the fullness of you. 
thank you, Father, that you are doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that already works on the inside of us. And to you be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. We thank you, Father. Come on, just lift up your hands with me. Father, we glorify you. Oh, we worship your holy name. Yes, we magnify the King of kings. Oh, for you are worthy, Lord. So worthy, Lord. Oh, we thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you that this is our year. And we thank you for it. Jesus name. Now maybe you've been watching this morning via the internet because you couldn't because of the winter. That message is just as much for you as it was for us here. And if you're watching this morning and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is the day. This is the moment. This is now. Cry out and say, Father, I ask for Jesus. I receive him into my life. I turn from all else and I declare that you are Lord. Amen. Guys, there are lots of things that are going to come your way this year. There's going to be some pressures. There's going to be some release of pressures. But I want to remind you, stir up the hunger for the promise that he's placed in your heart. If you need prayer, our Word Care team is going to be over here in a moment. They would love to pray with you and agree with you.